Today is a really special day in my life. Just want you guys to know. Because two years ago on this very Sunday, we were meeting outside under the tents. And I came, I came and I became your pastor for the first time. And so, yeah, today is my two-year anniversary. And, uh, and I will tell you that the last two years have been full of joy for me. And I'm so grateful that God has called me here. And uh, I'm excited for the days, the months, and the years ahead that God would have us to be together. And so I just wanted to uh, celebrate that with you. Um, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open it to John chapter 15. And just stick your finger in there for just a moment. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But I'm not sure if you realize this, but Easter is right around the corner. And because Easter is right around the corner, a, a, a couple of weeks ago, and even till today, you will find these prayer cards in your bulletin. You, you can't see it from here, but mine's filled out. And uh, there are people's names on here that I'm praying for, that I'm asking God that when I, when I get the chance to and when I, when I see them and invite them to come, that they will join us and come to know Jesus, just as I know Jesus and just as you know Jesus. And so I would love to invite you to take this card out, if you haven't already, to fill in the names of people that you know, that you love, that you care for, who, don't, who might not know Jesus. Pray for them daily and ask God for the opportunity for you to invite them to come and be a part of the Holy Week that we have coming up. It might be a transforming, life-altering time for them where they come to know who Jesus is, the same Jesus that, that you know. And so please join us to, to uh, pray for those that, that don't know Jesus and on Easter Sunday, you heard in the, in the announcements that we're going to have an amazing baptism service. It's going to be an Easter Sunday like you've never seen before. And so please come and join us for that. But if you are interested and you've not been baptized, please come and talk to me. Because we want to uh, take this opportunity to celebrate the amazing story of Easter, of a person coming from death to life. And so that's going to be really exciting. But right now, we are going to continue in our sermon series called Journeying with Jesus. And we began this sermon series again at Christmas. And, and we're, we're following Jesus from, the, from Advent to Easter, you know, from, from, uh, from that little manger to, to the cross. And, um, and we're close to the end, church, because Easter is right around the corner. And that's a joke that I say because I think it's funny, but... As soon as the new year starts, I tell people, wow, Christmas is right around the corner. <laughs> and, and, and it is, but Easter is even closer. So we're, so, we're already there. And, and as we prepare our hearts for Easter, right, we are with Jesus in this journey that we're taking with him and the disciples. We're in the upper room with Jesus. This is the last week of Jesus' life. And two weeks ago, we looked in John chapter 13, where, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It's there that he celebrates the Passover and the Last Supper with his disciples. And at the end of John chapter 13, Jesus, he tells his disciples that, uh, that he's about to leave them, that he's going to be betrayed. And, and, and he just leaves them with this horrible news. He even tells tell Simon Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And... Um, 
And all of that comes to pass. Jesus gets arrested. Or all of that comes to pass when, yeah, Jesus gets arrested. But before he gets arrested, right, the next, the next thing that we read in John chapter 14, he comforts his disciples. And as he comforts his disciples, he gives them one of the great I am messages. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We looked at last Sunday. And, uh, and, and these are what we call Jesus' farewell discourses. And this is, Jesus understands he's only got just a few more moments to share with his disciples. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes for just that moment. If you were Jesus and you just had that few moments left to talk to your disciples, to prepare them for what they will be facing without you, what would you tell them? What would be your last words to the disciples that you had mentored for the past three years? Think about that for a second. I'll tell you what Jesus does as he shares in the upper room these farewell discourses. What Jesus does is he shares his final I am statements. In John chapter 15, you have your Bibles open. John chapter 15 verse 1 says, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Wow. I am the true vine. And this short little statement, we need to pause right here before we move on to understand the, the depth of what Jesus is saying here so that as we read the remainder of John chapter 15, we can understand fully what Jesus means when he says, I am the true vine and then he goes on. Because if we don't have that context, we will miss the depth of what Jesus is trying to say. So let's pause to understand the context of what Jesus is saying here. Last week, we looked at Jesus' connection with God. When he, whenever Jesus says, I am, and he has he's done many times seven I am statements. We looked at when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life in, in John chapter 11. In John chapter 13, I am, uh, uh, Jesus said uh, in John chapter 13, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then in John 15, he says, I am the true vine. All these I am statements is, is Jesus' connection with God as God says in Exodus chapter 3 when, when he sent Moses to be his voice. And Moses was unsure. He says, well, if I go, who should I tell them sent me? And God says, I am that I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. And every time Jesus uses this phrase, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here, I am the true vine. Jesus makes that connection with God. And he's saying, I am that I am. I am connected with God in this way, and, and it wasn't lost on the disciples. And here, Jesus uses also the imagery of the vineyard, right? I am the true vine. And when Jesus uses this imagery of the vine and the vineyard, the disciples understood totally what Jesus meant. Because there's a historical and, con- uh, and cultural context with the use of the word vineyard and vine that connects that imagery with the people of God. In the Old Testament, a vineyard was the imagery that that the, the Bible writers used to talk about the people of God. 
And there are many examples that I'll just pull out a few. In Psalm, chapter, uh, Psalm 80, verse 8 and 9, it says this, You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. Really easy, beautiful imagery of that vine being God's people, brought out of Egypt, out of slavery for 400 years, and planted into the promised land of God. Clearly, you understand and you see that beautifully. But in the Old Testament, when the imagery of the vineyard is used, typically what it does is it highlights Israel's failures at times. And, and, and a good illustration of this is found in Isaiah chapter 5. In Isaiah chapter 5, there's a passage that, that we call the Song of the Vineyard. And, uh, and I want to share this with you because it highlights what, what, what I'm trying to say. And then when we turn it back to Jesus, everything makes sense. In Isaiah chapter 5 uh, is the Song of the Vineyard. It begins the first two verses this way. I will sing... For the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My loved one has a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug, up, he dug it up, cleared it off, cleared off the stones, and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower on it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. And there's that turn when the, the, the use of the vineyard and the vine is understood. See, the, God loves his vineyard. He loves the people. But as, as he plants this vineyard and he's desiring good grapes, only bad ones turn up. And if you read on in Isaiah chapter 5, this song of the vineyard, the heart of God is broken. And so instead of blessing it, God removes his favor from the vineyard. God takes away the good things that happen in the vineyard. And then this passage closes in verse 7 this way. It actually says that the, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel. And the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but heard cries of distress. See? So, Jesus now comes. And, and it is in this context and this imagery of this vineyard, the failures of the people of God, that when Jesus comes and says to his disciples, I am the true vine. What Jesus declares here is profound for sure. But to those who oppose Jesus, hearing that, it was scandalous. You could even use the word audacious to, to describe what Jesus is saying here, where he says, I am the true vine. Because what Jesus is saying here is this, that where Judah and where Israel has failed, I am the one who has lived up to what it means to be God's vineyard. I am the one that lived into the very thing that God desires here. This, this righteousness that God wanted, the good fruit that he wanted to harvest from his vine. What happened in the past was failure, and I 
am the true vine. I am the one who brings justice and not bloodshed. I am the one who brings righteousness and not distress. And this is the context to which we need to see John chapter 15. As Jesus says, I am the true vine. And I've asked Megan, would you come and help us read this passage of scripture? John chapter 15 verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and as I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to my disciples. This is the reading of God's word. Thank you so much. So, Jesus declares, I am the true vine. And now we get an understanding of what Jesus is truly saying here. And then what Jesus does is he follows this up by identifying God's role, his father's role in this. My father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Branches that do not produce fruit are cut off. Wow, what a difficult word for us today. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on this passage right here, except to say that it reminded me so much of Matthew 7:21 when Jesus said these words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Another hard, hard verse that we looked at uh, maybe about a month ago. Understanding the depth of the importance of our Christology. And so, church, this passage of scripture that we just read about how the Father cuts off every branch that bears no fruit is, is an important word for us and a great reminder that understanding who Jesus is and who, how are we to connect to that vine so that we can produce fruit is, is the importance of deepening the Christology that we do have. If we don't understand this, we, we run the risk of not producing fruit at all. We, we run the risk of saying, Lord, Lord, but being the people who never knew Jesus at all. And Jesus then goes on and says here, if you do bear fruit, right, those who do bear fruit, who do well and bear fruit, you're going to be pruned. Wow. (laughs) I'll be the first to say this. Pruning is 
difficult. It's, it's, it's no, no fun to be pruned. I mean, just go ask any tree or vine. They'll tell you. <laughs> you're going to cut off my limbs and my branches? You're going to prune me, right? If they could speak and you gave them a chance, a choice, would you, would you like to be pruned? The answer will be no. Nobody likes to be pruned. In the same way, we wouldn't. Right? I'm, I'm good just the way I am, Lord. Don't prune me, right? Because pruning hurts. But what we learn from this analogy that Jesus gives to us is that if we are going to bear fruit, or as we bear fruit, to continue to bear good fruit, we need to be pruned. Pruning is necessary for bearing good fruit. It's, it's not for the faint of heart, though. That's the truth. And, and this was a word for his disciples as Jesus was preparing them, as he was about to leave them, right? I asked you as we began, if you were Jesus, what would you say to your disciples in this last moment? These are the last words that he's going to share. Some of the last words is farewell discourse. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples here, knowing that every single one of the disciples that sat around that table, that broke bread with Jesus, that took the cup and drank that same cup from Jesus, every one of them would experience pruning. Hard pruning. Every single one of them greatly suffered for their faith. Some were persecuted. Some were exiled. Some were martyred for their faith. You talk about pruning. I mean, that's the heart of it. And what Jesus is doing here is he's preparing them for what they're about to experience. That's what Jesus is doing with the last moments of his life. These last words, he's saying, I am the true vine. And if you bear fruit, this is so good. But know this, that there will come a time when there will be pruning. And I wonder that as Jesus' disciples went through all of those difficult and challenging times. If they thought back to these moments that they shared with Jesus, Jesus having warned them and told them that if you bear no fruit, you'll be cut off and thrown into the fire. But those that do bear fruit, you're going to be pruned so that you'll be even more fruitful. Church, don't you thank God for the abiding faithfulness of these early disciples? That though they were pruned, they kept their faith. They remained in the vine. And thus, as a result, what Jesus said that would happen is exactly what happened. Through their pruning, they produced even better fruit. And we are the product of that fruit. We are the product of that fruit. You are here because the disciples were faithful to God in the midst of the hardships and the challenges that faced. And because of that, they produced good fruit, even better fruit. And that fruit led to us all experiencing and hearing the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ and us knowing him as our Lord and Savior. And therefore, church, it is imperative 
that we abide and we remain connected to the true vine, just as Jesus called his disciples to do. And as we do, and as pruning comes into our lives, and we still remain connected, despite the pruning, we will know that good fruit will continue to be produced even through our lives. And as I look around the sanctuary today and I look into the life of our church, you know what I see? Because in the last two years, I've gotten to know most all of you. And you know what I have seen? I have seen many of you in the last two years go through pruning. It's true. We all haven't been living in a life... uh, where we're all living as, what is that saying goes, a bowl full of cherries, right? The cherries have fallen out. <laughs> the bowl is cracked. And, and a lot of us have gone through some difficult and challenging times. And we have gone through some painful pruning. And you know, when we go through times of pruning, it feels like God has abandoned us. It feels like our prayers that are prayed hit the ceiling and fall right back onto the floor. Pruning is difficult, church. It's not for the faint of heart. Because we go through challenging times. But just as I've heard the stories of the pruning that has took place in our lives, the same people that have gone through such difficult and challenging times are the same people that testify to how the fruit that has come as a result of that pruning has dramatically altered and changed their lives. It has clarified the purpose for living for many people. As I look around, I see people scattered throughout who have had cancer in their lives. And coming through that time of pruning, (laughs) there's a clarity of what life is is all about. What is the most important thing? Why does God have me here? And that's what I truly live into. And had it not been for that time of pruning, I'd still be chasing all of these other things that this world has to offer. But now, because I've been pruned, I see clearly the call of God for me in my life. There's a greater meaning for life that came through the pruning that I have gone through. The pruning have fueled a deeper passion and commitment for God and His call in my life so that my life would matter and mean something. Not just walking through this life aimlessly trying to fulfill my own needs, but living life with purpose, bringing glory to God. Because pruning produces the good fruit that God desires for us to have. Mm. And this is the need for us then to remain connected to the vine in the midst of the pruning that we all are experiencing. Because in our connection with Jesus, is the fruit that will come because we're connected to the source of life. And it is He 
is the one that brings justice into our lives. He is the one that brings the righteousness that God is looking for and desires from the fruit that come from each of our lives. And as I've gotten older in these past two years, (laughs) something that I have noticed in my life, and that is the longer that I live, the more difficult life seems to get at times. But it is in our maturity as we age and get older that the gardener, the father, he uses these times to prune off the excess, to take away the non-essential things in life and the cravings of this world and in its place, places the truth of God's will and God's word into our lives. That's what I've noticed in my life. As I've gotten matured in my faith and I've gotten older, that the things of this world, they, they don't seem as enticing anymore. And God, through the pruning, has just made clearer and clearer what matters to Him. And that's what I believe that I want to live for. And what Jesus calls us to do here in John 15 is for us to remain connected. Another word in your Bible might be to abide in the true vine. And what that word abide that means is, is to make a home there. When you abide somewhere, you, 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 you make your home there. Jesus says, make your home in me. Don't go anywhere else. Stay put. Because the connection that we have with the true vine will produce fruit that can only come from our connection with the true vine. Connected to anything else may produce other kinds of fruit. It might not even produce good fruit. But being connected to the true vine is what truly produces the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Where do you go to get these things? What can you connect into in this world and life to find joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness with, that's not God? What, what are we plugging ourselves into that can produce this? The truth is that we've plugged ourselves into so many different things and we're not producing these things. The true vine is the source of the fruit that God desires for us to have. And these are spiritual characteristics of people that grow in Christ. And there's an inward transformation that happens so that these things come out in our lives. Something different needs to take place inside of us for us to experience these things. Patience doesn't just come because we want it to come. Right? You change. You're not the same person when goodness and faithfulness come into you. Through our connection with the true vine and through the pruning process and through remaining connected and abiding and remaining and making a home in Jesus, the transformation that takes place in a person is what we in this church call holiness. 
God changes us. He transforms us. He makes us into people who are holy, who are set apart for Him. A holy life is a person joyfully answering God's call to go where He calls us to go, to do what He calls us to do, and to be who He calls us to be. All of that joyfully, not begrudgingly, but hearing God's call and say, yes, I will go, Lord. Send me, here am I, like Isaiah said. But this transformation to holiness can only happen if we remain connected to the true vine. If you remain in me, Jesus says, and my words remain in you. This mutual connection gives us access to the means of God's grace. And it is that beautiful grace that brings joy. Oh. It is here that joy comes in diving into God's word. For those of you who are in dish.com, our discipleship, uh, our, our kind of new discipleship ministry that we have in our church, it's been a call for us to be in God's word daily, right? To go through, you've already gone through the book of Acts, now you're journeying, uh, book of Luke, now you're journeying into the book of Acts. And I don't know how that journey has been for you, but I tell you what, when the grace of God takes hold of our lives, when, when, when we enter into this tr- transformational holiness that, takes, that, that changes us inwards, spending time here becomes so joyful. It's not begrudging, oh, I've got to do this now. None of that. It's like, oh my goodness, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I want to do is get my cup of coffee and dive into God's Word. That's, that's the fruit of holiness in our lives. And joy comes in a dynamic prayer life. If there's anything that I pray that you know about your pastor, and you say, in the last two years, what has Gordon done here? My prayer is, you know this. You can say this for sure. Gordon has helped us deepen our prayer life in this church. That's what I pray. Because to me, that's the bottom line. When we are gathered to pray, and we ask God to intercede, and we celebrate the fact that God shows up here, this place will never be the same. On Wednesday mornings, I gather with a group of people, and you're all invited, at 6.30 in the morning, and we pray through the sanctuary. Every seat that you're sitting in right now has been prayed for. The worship team, this space, this holy space, we pray for it. Every doorway you walk through is prayed for. So that when we gather here, the presence of God is felt. That your heart awakens to knowing that God is already here and all you have to do is acknowledge it. And I know 6.30 is early in the morning. But when you're being transformed, there's joy. There's not a single person that comes at 6.30 in the morning that comes begrudgingly. Something is happening in our hearts. And they're like, oh, pastor. And when we're done, and don't talk to me. Ask the people that come. I'll give you their names. 
Ask them honestly, is it, is it really that good? <laughs> and let them answer honestly. Boy, I tell you what, there's joy. There's joy. When we, are, when we remain connected to the very means of grace that God gives us, His divine word, the dynamic life of prayer, the joy that comes from the fellowship of believers, of people in the church. It's not a chore, church. It's not a chore for us to do any of this. In fact, living in the word, being involved in prayer, seeking the fellowship of the people of God, it's all life-giving. You come and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I spent that time here. Because when transformation happens, that's when joy comes into our lives. And you know, I want you to know that when we're living in that way, Jesus doesn't look down on us, look down upon us, I'm sorry, and love us anymore. He already loves us with everything he has. But when we're going through that transforming time where holiness becomes a part of who we are, you know what happens? We look up and we fall in love with Jesus more. That's what happens. Oh, my goodness. He becomes more and more precious to us. And when we are deeply engaged and deeply abiding, the means of God's grace through Jesus Christ makes him more precious to us. We fall in love with Jesus again and again and again. And this true joy is what we call holiness in this church. When we love God and Jesus more than anything else in this world. But I will tell you this. Holiness is completely out of the question for those who do not remain and who do not abide and who are disconnected from Jesus. And that's why, church, our Christology is so important. So, let's kind of wrap this up. With the last words that Jesus has, in his farewell discourse with his disciples, he's calling his disciples back into a loving relationship with God. To live a life of holiness. Matthew writes it so beautifully in verse, chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Is there anything in your life, church, that captures your heart outside of Jesus? Would you be willing to prune that from your life today and surrender it at the foot of the cross as we prepare our hearts for Easter? What is it that might distract you away from Jesus, the fleeting things of this world? Would you allow God to prune that from your life? Because in the pruning process, we find that when we shed these things, good fruit comes as a result. And then seek Jesus first to remain connected, abiding, living, staying connected to the true vine. 
And finally, 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 Jesus reminds us that apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) Apart from me, we become no different than the old vine that bore bad fruit. The old vine that didn't live up to what God had desired for his people to be. Where he called for righteousness, there was bloodshed. Where he called for justice, there was distress. But when we are tethered to Jesus, when we're connected and abiding, we produce fruit. And this fruit, the Bible tells us, will last. Thank God. So today I'd like to finish up. Would you stand with me? What I'd like to do is extend an invitation to you to connect to the true vine. The true vine that lives up to God's desire for his vineyard. To bear fruit, that fruit that will last. To be willing to be pruned. I'll tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you, that's hard work. But it is only through that that good fruit comes. And to remember that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So this invitation is to continue our journey with Jesus. To just simply take the next step in your journey with where you're at with God today. Now, for some of you, I know that next step is a Big, 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 big jump. We have some people in our church that are leaving on a missions trip to go to Mexico to Casa Esperanza and work in the orphanage there. And today, I'd like to pray for you. So in a moment, when I call people up, I want you to come up. But there might be some of you today who, as I've been speaking, and it's not because of me, but because of what God is doing in this church, because of the prayer that has been prayed over your seats. And as you walk through that doorstep, you have been prayed for. And right now, you may be sensing, God, why are you speaking to me like this? (laughs) And maybe that is so that all I want to do is pray for you. And, And all you have to do is join the people that are going to Casa Esperanza and come up here and stand here. And we're going to just close in a word of prayer. And I am going to ask God, for his favor and blessing upon those who go and those who stay, those who are seeking God, those who are willing to say, God, prune me. Prune me from the things of this world that I need to get rid of and get me on the right path, remaining connected to you. I've asked Megan to come back and read John chapter 15. Verse 1 to 8. We don't have a song. We have his word. And as she reads that, if God is speaking to you today, if you're part of the team going to Casa Esperanza, I'm just going to stand here and I invite you to come. And I'm going to say a closing prayer. And then Brenna Spader is going to come and pronounce the benediction. So if God is speaking to you, come and join me. And I'd love nothing more than simply breathe a prayer over you. Megan, Will you come and read that passage for us again? I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will bear, be even more fruitful. You 
are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Amen. The reading of God's word. Would you bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer? Father in heaven, I am so honored today to lift those who are here in prayer. For those, Lord God, who are seeking you with all of their heart right now. For those, Lord God, who are making a life decision to remain connected to you, to attach their spiritual lives to you. I pray, Father in heaven, that you hear our call and move in our lives. Lord, help us to strengthen that connection with you and to abide in you because you and you alone are the true vine. And in you are righteousness. And in you is justice. And may your righteousness and justice come into our lives that we might bear fruits of righteousness and fruits of justiceness for your glory. I pray, Father in heaven, that whatever it is that you need to prune from our lives, Lord God, remove them so that we can bear much fruit from you for you. And if there are vines, Lord God, in this church, if there are branches in this church, dear God, that produce no fruit, we ask for your mercy, God. May you hear our prayers today. Help us not to be apathetic in our faith, but instead, Lord God, be people who remain connected. Forgive us, Lord God, when we have turned away. Forgive us, dear Lord, when our attention has gone somewhere else. Because apart from you, we can do nothing. You call us to go, then we will go. When you call us to stay, we will stay. Who you call us to be, we will be. And so we thank you for that. And for those you have called to go to Casa Esperanza, I pray for them now, Lord God. May their journey to seek you and serve you, God, as they go down to Casa Esperanza, be filled with opportunities to show forth the light of the kingdom of heaven in these, in, in, in these people, that they would be shining for you, Lord God, as they bring the good news and they serve the children at Casa Esperanza. But just as every time we go for you and thinking that we're going to do great things, Lord God, we become the people who are changed the most. So I pray for your continued transformation in each of our lives and all that we do. May we do all that we do for you and your glory. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.